Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. The prefix of testimony is the word test. You cannot have the encouraging story without living through the difficulty and emerging victorious. In today's message after this, Ryan Neal shares encouragement for life's struggles. afternoon talking about one of my favorite people um, in in the Bible uh, Joseph I'm gonna go again the book of Genesis chapter number 40 we're gonna begin reading all the way down at verse number 50 I'm sorry chapter 41 not 40 please excuse me chapter 41 we're gonna start reading all the way down at verse 50 we're gonna read uh, 50 through verse 52 so we're kind of coming toward the end of Joseph's story here uh, but we're going back up and uh, do an introduction. The introduction will probably be the vast majority of the message, uh, but we're gonna bring it home um, on the point of this verse here. And again, the book of Genesis chapter number 41, beginning with verse number 50. Oh, and by the way, uh, happy Father's Day uh, to Olu and my dad. <laughs> and, uh, and also happy uh, Juneteenth to everybody. Uh, amen. Hopefully you all have some good plans to enjoy your day and celebrate, um, especially all the free fathers. <laughs> so the book of Genesis chapter number 41, beginning with verse number 50, it says, during this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of uh, I always said Potiphera, but that's really, that's just the way we pronounce it, but apparently it's pronounced Potiphera, the daughter of Potiphera, uh, the priest of On. And it says, Joseph, verse number 51, Joseph named his older son Manasseh. Somebody said Manasseh. For, for he said, God has made me to forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. And Joseph named his second son Ephraim. Somebody say Ephraim. And he said, God has made me to be fruitful in the land of my grief, or as the King James Version puts it, in the land of my affliction. So I want to talk to you uh, this afternoon uh, for about 25 minutes or so from the subject after this, after this. Um, I, the story of Joseph is, is such an amazing story, and many of you know the story of Joseph, so I won't belabor uh, bringing you up to speed on something that you have probably uh, read before, seeing that the story of Joseph is one of those uh, that we hear about quite often, right, especially in January, right around the time of Martin Luther King Day, and they start talking about dreaming, and then they begin to talk about Joseph and his dreams. Uh, but the, I want to point out a few things. When you go back to chapter 39 of the book of Genesis, um, this is kind of something that really permeates Joseph's life. Um, and and it's, just, it's just five short words in verse number two. The Lord was with me. The Lord was with Joseph. And the scripture says the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of Potiphar. Now, again, kind of going back and just giving the quick overlay, not assuming that everyone knows all the details of the story, uh, but Joseph, of course, was hated by his brothers because he was favored by his father. And that right there is already something that could be a whole message in and of itself because many of us are hated by the world because we are favored by our heavenly father. 
And so the Bible even tells us that in, uh, when, when talking about Jesus, he said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And so sometimes the things that we go through in life are just because we are actually favored. You can actually be uh, in a place where you're put down, so to speak, just because you're favored by God. And some of us, we have a tendency sometimes to take that too far and end up figuring out later on that we're actually hated just because we're not likable. And it has nothing to do with the favor of God on our life. But we have to make sure that we are uh, realizing that there are some times where you can be doing nothing wrong and people still are not going to like you. Okay. So we have Joseph and he's not favored by his brothers. And the Bible says there's a couple times that we'll see that the Lord actually spared the life of Joseph. And the first time was here because they wanted to kill him. And his brother Reuben was like, well, I'm gonna return him back to dad. But they were like, well, let's throw him in this pit and then we'll just let him die. And so Reuben came back to get him and the other brothers had sold him into slavery. Judah had a great idea whose name means praise. Somebody's supposed to be doing <laughs> what God wants them to do. And he was doing the work of the devil and he pulls them out of the pit and they decide that they're gonna sell him into slavery. So from there, he goes into slavery. He sold unto Potiphar. And the Bible tells us in, again, in verse two of chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph. And so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of Potiphar. Okay. And the Bible says that Potiphar noticed this and he, and he, and it pleased Potiphar. Now that was in verse number two of chapter 39. We get down just a few verses later and it tells us in verse 19 and Potiphar was furious and threw him in jail. And that's what happens in dealing with people. You will literally go from zero to 100. He was making Potiphar's life easier. The Bible actually tells us specifically that from the day he took command, that all of the worries of Potiphar, the worry, the stress, the anxiety was lifted off of Potiphar because God was using Joseph in such a way to make things easier in the life of Potiphar. And just a few short verses later, we don't know what the time span was, but he literally went from zero to 100, didn't ask no questions, about the fact that he could have been innocent and in fact was innocent and went from being happy with Joseph and blessed by Joseph to throwing Joseph in jail. And so the Bible says that he was put in jail because Potiphar was furious about the allegations that he had tried to rape Potiphar's wife, which of course was not even true. A story made up by her. He was lied on. But this is what I love. Just a couple verses after verse 19, when Potiphar was furious and threw him in jail, the scripture says, but the Lord but the Lord. And I know that many of you have been in some but the Lord situations. A but the Lord situation is it seems like everything is stacked against you. It seems like all of the things that you thought were going to work out are not working out. It seems like every wish and every thought that you had, lofty idea, and you thought, okay, God has finally taken me into the trajectory of where I thought he was going to take me in life. And all of a sudden, you just go from the mountaintop down to the valley. And when you're down in that place, when you're down in that valley, when you're feeling your lowest, when you're feeling like, you know, nothing is ever going to work out and God has just forgotten about you, just remember, but the Lord. And it said, but the Lord was what? Was with Joseph, just like he was when he was in the top of Potiphar's house. He was with him in the prison. He was with him in the heights and he was with him in the depths. And that's the thing that I love about God, because people will leave you based on your position sometimes. But God will stay with you no matter how high or no matter how low you go. So verse 21 said, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And then down in verse 23, it says, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. 
And then it tells us that from the day that Joseph took command, uh, because he had he because everything that he did succeeded, the Bible says that the warden in the prison, the warden that was there in the prison, it said he put him in command and he made him second in command in the prison, just like he was second in command in Potiphar's house. And the Bible says everything that he did succeeded. And from the day that he took command, that it took all the worries away from the warden. Once he put him in control, once he put him in command, then everything that Joseph did took all the anxiety, all of the worries, all of the cares off of the warden. I don't know if you're starting to see a trend here, but Joseph was blessed because when he went into a situation, he acted with excellence and he took the burdens off of the people that he was called to serve. Verse five and six, it says Potiphar didn't worry about anything except what to eat. Then we get down to verse 23, even after Potiphar had thrown him in jail, it says the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. So then the question becomes, when we look at this trend that we're beginning to see here, we have to ask ourselves, what are we adding to the situation that we are in? What are we adding to our space? What are we adding to our marriage? What are we adding to our job? What are we adding to the friendships that we are a part of? What are we adding to those people that God has placed around us? What do we add? And when we begin to ask ourselves that, because see, that's not the, that, that, that's not the question that, that America wants to ask right now. The question or the statement rather that America wants right now is, I gotta put me first. I got to worry about me, but sometimes God has called you to assist others. I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how amazing you are. I don't care how good you smell. You are still called to serve somebody else, no matter who you are. The highest person in the country, being the president of the United States, is called to serve the citizens of the United States. I remember even back when I was looking, uh, applying for position uh, as, as a judge, one of the things that was so interesting to me and that a lot of people don't recognize is that people think, oh, a judge has so much power and a judge is, is just so honorable. They even call him your honor. But truthfully, a judge is there to serve you. A judge is there to serve the citizens of the county where they sit. So when something happens and somebody comes before the judge, the judge is supposed to know the law. The judge has to know about evidence. The judge has to know if it's criminal, he has to be able to figure out and make the right calls. Even if it's a jury, he still has a hand and who's gonna win that trial by the way he decides pretrial or she decides pretrial motions. So they're still there as a servant, no matter how uh, much clout they may have, no matter how much they might sit up on their high horse and look like they are called to serve you. They are your servant. They are paid by your tax dollars. So everything you do in this world, everything you do is a gift to somebody else. So if you want to know what your calling is, you have to ask yourself, what is my best gift? What is the best gift that I have that I can give out to humanity around me? But Joseph realized that he was called to serve. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for humans, because your reward will come from him. Your reward will come from the Lord. And so many of us, we can't even grasp that concept because the Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. But we don't even work at for the Lord with all that we do. And so we can't grasp the concept of taking that on our job. We take on our job the same thing we give to the Lord, which is just, just a half halfway done job, uh, when I feel like it, I do it, when I want to be on time, I'll be on time, when I don't feel like being on time, I won't be on time, when I feel like praying, I'll pray, when I don't feel like praying, I won't pray, I won't fast, if I don't feel like fasting, I'll do whatever I want to do, and then we take that into every other area of our life, and we don't have excellence in the way that we operate, but Joseph understood something, he understood it, that if he wanted promotion, he had to be faithful, 
If he wanted to be promoted, he had to be faithful. See, our problem is that we want recognition, but we barely do anything worth recognizing. We want to be recognized for every little thing that we do. Oh, I, I've been on time for work all this week. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, well, I, well, I've been doing what? Well, no, 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 no. You finished the project on time. That was your assignment. That's what you were supposed to do. And, and, and one of the problems is that we compare ourselves to coworkers. We compare ourselves to people around us. We compare ourselves when we're living for God. We compare ourselves to other Christians and other people. Even comparing yourself to your pastor can get you in trouble because we ought to be looking toward God for our example of what we ought to be doing. Yeah, well, you don't know them people on my job. You don't know how they act. Them people prejudice. Your reward is coming from the Lord. Well, yeah, I know what you're saying, but you don't know my spouse. She's just nasty to me. She always got an attitude. Your reward is coming from the Lord. And so the Bible tells us that he acted with excellence in everything that he did. And he was promoted because he acted in excellence. And so the Bible, the Bible shows us, and this is another thing that I really love about Joseph. Um, Joseph never predicated his behavior on other people's actions. He never allowed himself, even the people around him, the things that were going on, he never allowed what God called him to do to be dictated by or, or wavered by what people around him were doing. And that's one of the things I love about him is that you never really see him react. You never, almost don't even see him defend himself because you see with Potiphar's house, we don't even hear that he was like, I ain't do that, she lying. They just lying on me. He was lied on. But we got every excuse in the book as to why we can't do what God is calling for us to do. But he was just, he was lied on. I mean, literally, he was operating in excellence. He was operating in greatness. And, and even more so operating in greatness to the point that before the scripture was even written that said, flee sexual immorality, that's exactly what he did. He said, I got to get up out of here, left his coat behind and literally fled sexual immorality and he was punished for it. But when he got to the prison, he began to operate in excellence all over again. And you know what that tells me? Now, I know that Joseph was human, so I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that Joseph wasn't like, whew, Jesus, now you showed me this vision. I had this dream now. You showed me this vision a long time ago. That's what got me put in the pit in the first place of showing, telling this dream about everything that was going on. And that was the funny part, too, because the dream that he had, the first dream, he told his brothers and they despised him. The second dream, he told his brothers and his father. And even his father was like, so you think I'm going to bow down to you? Me and your mother going to bow down to you? Now, the funny thing about that is that everybody that said that, except for the mother, we, we don't hear from her, all of them bowed down. Because the dream that he had, it was from God, but it was for an appointed time. But here, here's the thing. He never reacts. He never reacts. He's always on the offense, never on the defense. Because he knows, he knows what he knows. He knew what he dreamed. And he was faithful over it. So now when we find him in the prison, he's still working hard, knowing like you should know that his reward is going to come from God. So here he is, he's still working hard. And then all of a sudden, in the, one, one day in the jail, somebody has a dream. It's two people that had came from Pharaoh's house. It was the cupbearer and the baker. And they both had a dream. And he, he could tell something was wrong with him. He said, what's going on? Tell me about this. Tell me about what's going on. Why is your countenance so down? They said, got this dream, can't figure it out. So the first one told the dream and he said, oh, this dream means that in three days, you're going to be promoted back into Pharaoh's house and, and you're going to be blessed and you're going to be promoted and on and on. And so then when the baker heard 
what the good, that the good, uh, it was a good dream for the cupbearer. Then he went and told his dream. He said, you know, I had a similar dream. I had three baskets and, you know, these birds came and picked all the bread out of the basket. And he said, those three baskets also represent three days, just like in the cupbearer's dream. He said, but in three days, you're going to be in Paul. You're going to be killed, basically. And three days later was Pharaoh's birthday. And he called them both out of prison, killed the one and promoted the other. Now, Joseph had told him, hey, when you get to Pharaoh's house, don't forget about me. I'm here in this jail, but look, this is what I want you to, I, I I'm not talking to, I'm not talking to a Baker no more because he, he finna be dead. But Cupbearer, I think you might be able to do something for me. You might be able to call in a favor because you're going back to the palace. Now, when you go back to the palace, don't forget about me now. Don't, don't forget about me how I interpreted your dream for you. So he gets back to the palace and forgets all about Joseph. Forgets all about him. And, and God still blessed Joseph while he was in prison. But he blessed him where he was. He didn't bring him out. Now, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed because you're faithful. But it doesn't come the way you always expect it to. And it doesn't come when you always expect it to. Now, watch this. Joseph's excellence did not get him out of Potiphar's house. Joseph's excellence did not get him out of prison. It was his gift that got him out of prison. His excellence maintained him while he was where he was. Because see, there's some situations that as bad as you want to be out of it, I'm going to tell you right now, baby, it's not coming to an end as quick as you might think. But you can have, you got two options. You can be distressed in the midst of a storm, or you can have peace in the midst of your storm. And the decision is up to you. And it all comes into whether or not you decide to mope and say, woe is me. And don't get me wrong, we all get that pass. Because sometimes you got to have a woe is me moment. Sometimes you got to go to sleep crying that night. But when you wake up, you better, you better put on your jeans and your shirt and get ready to go to work. You got to wake up and decide, I'm not going to sit here feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to operate in excellence. I'm going to figure out what it is. What's the next thing that God wants me to do? And I'm going to be faithful over that thing. Because even though he was faithful, the Bible says it was two full years later. Two full years later before his gift made room for him. It's hard for, um, it, it's hard for us to have our gift that God has given us. Everybody has a gift down on the inside of you, whether you know what it is yet or not. But it's hard for us to, uh, or it's hard for people to receive our gift when our character is not developed. You can be talented, you can be amazing, but you will never be successful until your character is developed to the place where it can keep you where God wants to promote you to. And some of, for some of us, we are actually blessed that God hasn't promoted us yet because our character's not there. We want to go to a place that we're not even able to be sustained. We want to go be promoted to a place that if we got there now, we'd probably end up in scandal. We want to be promoted to a place that, that we're not prepared to stay. And so for some of us, sometimes the biggest blessing that God ever gave us is keeping us right where we are until we learn what it is that he wants us to learn before we're promoted. And so you see the entire time through Joseph's life, God is developing his character. God is developing the gift that he has on the inside of him. And, and God will always put character over comfort. 
Yes, it wasn't comfortable to be sold into slavery. It wasn't comfortable to be in a pit. And you may feel like you're in a pit in your own life. You may feel like you're in a prison of your own life. It's not comfortable, but God is always going to be more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. Comfort. God was developing his character. And so every time something happened, you know, he, I'm sure he had his moments where he said, God, this is rough. But then guess what he did? He got up, he dusted himself off and said, okay, it's work to do. I've got a gift. I, I, I've got a spirit of excellence on the inside of me. And that is what kept him in the middle of the storm. So two years later, two years later, now he didn't wait to be happy because excellence will bring you joy while you wait. But your gift is what promotes you. So excellence, if you're catching what I'm putting down here, excellence plus giftedness equals greatness. Excellence plus giftedness equals greatness. So after all of this happened, the Bible tells us that, that one day this cupbearer, when Potiphar has a dream, I'm sorry, not Potiphar, when Pharaoh had a dream, he had a dream one day and all of a sudden, he called everybody in the kingdom, all his musicians and things it says, and he called everybody under him to try to figure out what this dream meant. And nobody could figure it out. And then here comes Mr. Cupbearer. Mr. Cupbearer said, y'all let me just put it in 2002 terms. He said, man, I tripped. King, I had tripped. Go back and read it. That's essentially what it said. I had tripped. I had forgot all about this dude back when I was in prison. And, and dude, interpreted some dreams. Now you say you had a dream. I'm telling you, dude interpreted some dreams. And, and I'll tell you how he interpreted it. He said, I was going to be back here. Remember, dude, you killed? He had told us that three days before he was ever killed. And he said, why? And, and Pharaoh said, why don't we call him? Why don't we call him and see what this gift is about? And so that gift that he had still on the inside of him, even though it was years later, God allowed that gift to bring him to a place where it made room for him. And so the, the, he interpreted his dream is about grains and cows. And he said, it's going to be seven years of plenty. And it's going to be seven years of famine. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. I feel like I keep going down rabbit holes, but, but, but just a quick aside to let you know, that happens sometimes in life. We're going through a period now where it looks like it's going to be some years of famine coming up. And I hope you put up some of them stimulus checks and, and some of that other stuff that was coming out when all the money was coming out because that happens in life. And that's wisdom right there. He says it's gonna be seven plentiful years and then it's gonna be seven years of famine. Don't let it catch you by surprise. Don't let it even now, it looks like we're headed into that way, but we gotta make sure that even now we're being responsible over what God is giving us so that when those, those years of famine hit, we're all right because of the wisdom that God has given us. Now. One thing I love and notice about Joseph, and we've mentioned this before, is that Joseph was never number one. He was always number two. He was number two in Potiphar's house, right under Potiphar. He was number two in the jail, right under the warden. And he was number two when he was promoted in Pharaoh's house, right under Pharaoh. But he was always blessed. He was always blessed. Potiphar said, I'm, or, or excuse me, Pharaoh said, I'm the king. I'm Pharaoh. He said, but I want you to know, don't nobody in this whole kingdom lift a finger. Don't, don't do nothing unless Joseph says it's okay. Because of the favor that God had given him. And, and we get real excited because we hear about Joseph and we're like, oh yeah, God gonna take you from the pit to the palace, but not so fast. He didn't go from the pit to the palace. He went from the pit to the prison. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house. He went from Potiphar's house to the prison. And then he went from the prison to the palace. And, and sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to grasp because we can believe God if we're down here, if God says we're going to be here, but we need it to go like this. 
That's what we want. We just want an upward trajectory from point A to point B. But that's not what God did to him. He brought him from the pit, which was a really low point, a point of where he would have died if he had just stayed in there. He brought him up a little bit higher into slavery. And then he brought him up into Potiphar's house, a little higher. Then he took him way back down here. Maybe not quite down as far as the pit, but way down to prison for something he didn't even deserve. But then God brought him back up to the palace, just like he promised. And we have to have the faith to believe God for promotion, even when we've been demoted. But this is what I love about God. He has a way of making it up for you. He always has a plan. He always has the original purpose for your life that he always promised you. And, and, and this is what's so awesome because sometimes, I know for me, I get down on myself because I say, well, I know God made me this promise and I know I'm supposed to have this or I know God put these different thoughts in my head even if I don't know exactly what it is, I know what it feels like, but I've made so many mistakes and I've messed some things up. And I don't know exactly how God wants to work this out or exactly how God is a, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. We hear that scripture all the time, but, but, but let me break it down for you. It's such a low bar. I mean, it's such a low bar. He says all things, no qualifier, every single thing. That means the good, the bad, the ugly. That means your mistakes, what people did to you, and what happened just because of life. All things, there's no qualifier on it. And he says, all things work together for the good. Not for the mediocre, not he says for the good. Now good don't necessarily always feel good. We talked about what that word good means because that word means intrinsically good. It's good like broccoli and lean protein, not good like cake. It, it, it's a good that's good for you, but it may not always feel good to you. But, but see, the thing about it is that the cake tastes good now, but you're not gonna look good later. Whereas the lean protein in the broccoli may not always taste all that tasty, but it's gonna put you in a position of strength. It's gonna put you in a position of power. It's gonna put you in a position where not only do you look good, but you feel good. You are good. You can do things, you can move around. But he said, all things work for the, together for the good of them who what? Who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Now watch this. There's nothing you have to do to be called. Listen to this, that, that's why it's such a low bar. All things work together. All you really gotta do is love God. I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, um, that you don't have to love God. You have to love God, but listen to this. For those who are called, he said, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. He said, I already chose you. I knew you where you were gonna be right here on June 19th, 2022. I knew you were gonna have a heart to be in the house of the Lord. I knew that you were gonna have a heart to hear his word. Are you perfect? No, absolutely not. Do you have flaws? Of course. Are you a mess at times? Absolutely, but you're called. And that was prerequisite number one. And, and, and you love me, you love me. I'm not trying to preach to you a foo-foo message, but I can guarantee you that everybody in this building, because we have a small congregation, I can tell you, I know every one of you love the Lord. I know you do. Even when you don't act like you love him, you love him. Because we make mistakes and we do things with our actions, but God, he says, he understands the heart. 
Even when we do things outwardly that don't look quite right. Well, are you sure you love the Lord? Because you were show sinning. No, I still love him. I make mistakes, but I still love him. And he said, that's really the only bar because you were already chosen. All you got to do, he said, if you love me, it's going to work out for your good. If you just love me, all you got to do is love me. Uh, uh, he who is without sin, then it will all work together for the good of them. No, that's not what he said. He who don't make a mistake, who got it all together, he who, uh, who, he who tries uh, with every bit of his being and, and just never sins. No, it says just love the Lord. And he said, and, and all things, just keep on loving me. When it looks nasty, keep on loving me. When it's good, keep on loving me. When you don't understand it, just keep on loving me. He said, it's going to work together. All you got to do is just love me. Stay here with me. Love me. He said, when, you, when you're in the pit, love me. When you're in the palace, love me. When you feel like you've been sold, and, sold off, love me. When you feel like they lied on you, just love me. It doesn't matter. He said, just love me. And he said, all things will work together for the good of them who love the Lord. You were chosen before the foundation of the world, Paul tells us in Ephesians. Then Peter turns around and tells us that we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. So all we got to do is love the Lord. There will be an after this. No matter how tough it seems right now, you just got to know there will be an after this. And after everything that Joseph had went through, the Bible says he named one son Manasseh and one Ephraim because the Lord had, had allowed him to forget all the things that he had been, had been through. And I know you feel down and I know you feel like life has kind of kicked you and things, but then what I would challenge you to do is to ask yourself from as bad as I feel right now or as bad as I have felt, what would my life look like if God made it up to me? And God said, exceedingly abundantly, above all that you dare to ask or think, that's what I will do. He's able to do it. You just got to keep on loving him. You just got to hold on in there. Even when it don't look good, the only way you lose is if you quit. The only way you lose is if you just decide, I just can't take this no more. I can't do it. God, I'm just aborting the mission that you have for me. But if you just flip to the back, if you flip to the end, if you allow the eyes of faith to be awakened in you, you see God will bring you to the expected end. Amen. Give God a praise for after this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 1245 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.